Hey, hey, people of Earth, it's time to enter the Spoilerverse via our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with our hosts, John and Kenrick. Welcome to Spoiler Country. Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on Spoilerverse.com. But if you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcatcher, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us and leave us a voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at SpoilerCountry at gmail.com. Wrap in and saddle up. We're back with more Spoiler Country, and today on the show, it's just me doing the intro because I'm by myself. Kendrick is still moving, but got a special treat for you. If you watched the hit show on Amazon, The Boys, you know that it's based on a comic book, and the artist of that comic book, Derek Robertson, came by and talked with Melissa, and she had a great, great time talking with him. He's a really cool dude, and they talked about The Boys and his art career and more fun stuff. And you know, let's just jump into it. So here is Derek in his own words. Today, I have a very special guest with me. He is the co-creator of the comic, The Boys, and co-executive producer of The Boys, now streaming on Amazon Prime. He's also the co-creator of the comic, Oliver, and has been nominated for multiple Eisner Awards. I'd like to welcome Derek Robertson to the show. Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. That was a nice intro. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> you sound more important than I am. <laughs> How are you today? I'm I'm good. It's uh, one of the, the we we just went through the wildfires here in California in my area, and today was one of the few days that we got blue skies and the air quality is returning, and it's not mm-hmm. blazing hot and the sky is not orange. You know, so, it's it's, so it was a good I'm day to get Cal- out. I'm in California too. I'm in Northern California, actually. Oh, oh yeah, so am I. Oh, awesome. Well, then you yeah. know what's going on. Oh my God, it's been it's been awful. I've had my windows closed and. The smoke's just been horrific, so I'm I'm happy for the blue skies today as well. Yeah, it was a nice day. It felt like like I feel like I got robbed of our uh, we got robbed of our summer. Uh huh. I know. I know. It was well. We had a couple of really hot days, and as you know, in Northern California, a lot of the houses don't have air conditioning. Yes. So it's like 90 degrees out, and the smoke is in the air. We can't open our windows. I mean, we're literally like just dying. <laughs> Good lord. Yeah. So let's jump right into it. I want to talk about the boys. It's in its second season on Amazon Prime. Fantastic, by the way. Um, Thank you. So clever, so visceral. Um, I want to ask you, how did the idea for the boys originate? It, it, back when I was finishing up Transmetropolitan in 2002, Garth Ennis and I were working together a lot and, and hanging out a bunch. And he asked me if I was interested in doing this book with him and I was uh, at first totally into it, but then I got a really nice job offer from uh, Marvel to be exclusive and, and reboot Wolverine, which is one of my favorite characters. So I, I could not say no to that. There was benefits involved and things that went with it. So I told Garth I couldn't and I, I regretted it almost immediately. But after a year of working on 
uh, Wolverine and doing that stuff, he came back around and was like, I've just been thinking about it and it has to be you. And I'm like, okay, well, as soon as I'm out of my contract, I'm all over it. And so he had the initial idea. And I think his uh, initial concept was that it was going to be kind of like his book, Hitman, and it would take place mm-hmm. as a, in like a weird little fringe area of the DC universe. But as we got into developing the idea it became more and more obvious to both of us that if it, it just wouldn't work, we'd have to censor too much. And ultimately like his, his take on superheroes is very different than mine in that I, I actually love the DCU and the Marvel U and mm-hmm. I really don't want to denigrate those characters, but I also love stuff like Watchmen where they took the characters and those were originally supposed to be Charlton characters that they had gotten the rights to uh, blue beetle and, you know, Captain Adam and things like that. And then when Moore couldn't do his Watchmen mm-hmm. take with those characters, he reinvented them into new characters so he could tell the story he wanted to tell. So uh, Ennis and I essentially did the same thing in that we wanted to create a world where the superheroes were hidden by propaganda. And the propaganda would be the stuff that if we had superheroes in our real world, the way we exist, all the stuff that you see that's out there for the fictional superheroes would exist, but it would be representing real people who in behind the scenes are awful because power, (laughs) you know, ultimate power corrupts or absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. So it was that idea. And I loved his take on it. And for me, I was like, Hey, I'm just getting to write. I'm I'm sorry. I'm just getting to design and create original superheroes and work with one of the best writers in the business. So for me, like it was a win-win. I didn't really, it was, it was Mm -hmm. an exciting prospect for me just to get in there and design all these characters. Plus I loved what his idea was. You know, I loved his concept behind the idea that the superheroes, would be terrible people if they really existed. So that's really where it all was born from. But we spent a couple of years while I was finishing up my contract with Marvel, getting ideas together and and honing the characters and and passing designs back and forth. And, you know, before it became what it was. Yeah, no, that's, it's a fresh concept because as we, we know with comic books, heroes and villains, they all have their, their demons, but behind the scenes, they're always portrayed as still kind of positive, you know, role models. So it was interesting to see the tape with the boys showing, like you said, this propaganda and how they were just terrible people, really. Behind yeah. And it, it, it kind of redefines what does it mean to be a hero? I mean, like it's, it's in a lot of ways, what the boys are doing is more heroic. So it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of ironic. Yeah, no, absolutely. And what's interesting too, with what I like about the show, with all of the dark and emotional themes, that percolate throughout there are moments of comedic relief right and the the witty banter was that something you set out to do from the start or did that just happen organically okay it's very it was well i mean ennis is a very funny writer anyway like he knows how to put comedy in and at the right times and also Mm -hmm. like he knows how to put tenderness into a story where you don't think it's going to happen so I really like that aspect of it, too. And when I first met Eric Kripke, he asked me, like, what was important to me about the show before he had even started writing it, which I was just blown away by his consideration that he would even take the time to sit down with me and ask. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times you hear in Hollywood and, and, and I've experienced it where you just kind of get frozen out of your own thing. So it's not been like that on the boys at all. And that's really part of the reason I think it's, it's been such a wonderful experience overall personal feelings aside, but I think that inclusion and that consideration to the source material really comes through in the, in the, in the television show. And one of the first things I said was, it's gotta be funny. 
If it's mm-hmm. not funny, it is, it's just going to be a long, dark slog and people are going to tune out. But if you get what makes it funny as well as what makes it dramatic, it'll, it'll click. And I think that's what we're seeing. I mean, they've done a wonderful job of, of, of keeping the humor alive. Mm-hmm. No, it's fantastic. And it definitely you need that comic relief when, when things are very dark and you have these extremely uh, violent, you know, violent episodes, which, you know, are, uh, you have this sort of campiness to it in a sense where, you know, I just watched, I, I don't want to give too many spoilers away, even in <laughs> spoiler country, but I've been, I'm watching season two right now and a uh, certain characters, you know, head explodes. And, and I was like, Oh yes. my God, like you're not expecting it. And then the reaction to it yes. is almost comical. No, you can't laugh. Like you, you almost feel bad for laughing, but Jack Quaid is so great in that scene. Like his reaction in the van is so like spot on that I, I couldn't help but giggle, even though I'm like, I was kind of feeling bad for the person who just had a head explode, but, <laughs> <laughs> right. but, but his performance is so funny that you can't, you can't walk, you can't walk away from it and not be smiling. Exactly. And then I almost feel bad. I, I always feel bad for the actor. Cause I'm like, Oh no, they're not going to work. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but another thing that brings me to is, so how, how do the comics differ from this show? And I know there's been a lot of talk about this essentially as, as far as like, how are, are there things that are left out yeah. or, or have been added? Yes. They've really done their own. Like Kripke explained it to me once where he said, I hope you understand that what we aren't trying to change the comic. We're kind of doing more like, like if we were a DJ, we're doing a remix, you know, like Mm -hmm. we're taking the, what's cool, what we like from the comics and then doing our own thing with it. And I understand why they would have to, because a comic and a TV show have two very different jobs to do. And I often say like, you know, what's, what's nice about comics is that, when you're reading a comic, it's a very intimate experience. You get to control your your experience with a comic in that if there's something that looks really cool to you, you can dwell on that image as long as you want before turning the page. But with TV or movie, you know, it, the director decides how long you look at something. Like when somebody's head explodes, you know, they cut away from that right really fast. So it's shocking. That's their choice. Or in the case of like episode one, it was Dan Trachtenberg's idea to slow it way. Like when, when Robin gets killed, you know, to slow it way down. And that would have not been my choice either because I thought it needed to be shocking. But man, it works. It really mm-hmm. works. There's that slow, like spattering of blood on Huey's face. And then, so when it all catches up to real time, it's just as shocking. It's, 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 an, it, but that's like a perfect example of how you can do something on film that I couldn't do in a comic book. I mean, I could, if I wanted to break it down, it could be multiple panels, but it mm-hmm. wouldn't, it wouldn't impact It would read really slow in a comic because every gutter between a comic book panel is like a beat in time. And so there's a great example of this where I think it was might have been in How to Draw Comics or Understanding Comics by Scott McCloud. But he shows how you can have a story about an astronaut and in panel one, he's saying goodbye to his daughter. And then you see him put on his uh, his helmet and then you see him Mm -hmm. checking in with his seniors. Then you see him walking onto the gangplank and then you see his rocket taking off. Like those are a series of panels that tells you a story about him leaving. Or you could just say he's Mm -hmm. saying goodbye to his daughter and then you cut to the rocket taking off. And that reads exactly the same way as far as plot goes, but it's a very different approach to get there. So television or with film, it's like they have to make those same kind of calls as well, but you don't, they don't have the, 
the same luxury we do. And they also don't have the same fight for real estate in within like my storytelling is contained into a comic book page. I, I have to tell you what's happening with X number of panels on it within X number of pages. They don't have that same restraint within film, but they do have to get everything down to an hour. So right. it's like, and then also they want to keep the audience interested for the next episode and they need to like figure out what's going to happen in the third act of an hour where it's different in a comic. Like you can drop a thing in issue one and pick it up in issue three, you know, mm-hmm. it's very different in its storytelling. And so that's a long way about saying that, yes, they change things. You know, the fact that terror isn't uh, omnipresent like he is in the comic is is a difference but they brought him in had a great episode this last friday with terror in it and it was mm-hmm. great to see him it choked me up i was like oh my god <laughs> terror and butcher having a walk <laughs> yeah, yeah no, that like, just right out of my brain a huge deal for you i mean what is that what is that impact for you when you oh to be characters and yeah it was that was that was probably one of the more emotional moments i had because it kind of crushed me where i'm like because suddenly like this lost summer was very evident to me with that and Mm -hmm. i have no idea why you know i'm an artist i don't know understand my feelings that's why i draw things but that's but it was it was still like oh my god i didn't get to go to comic-con i didn't get to see this cast all the things that we didn't get to do this summer that should have been a really celebratory summer, especially because of the boys. And I kind of, it just, it just kind of hit me really hard. But then all at the same time, like I felt really seen and loved and respected by the people that are making this show because it looked like something out of one of my covers or, or a panel that I drew watching and, 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 and Tara walked down the street with each other and, and just seeing them together was like, Oh God, I've been, you know, it was really, it was powerful. Cause some of the things when it first came at me, I didn't know what to think because you only hope when you are in a part of this, you know, you give your creative thing over to somebody to adapt. You only hope that they're going to love it like you do and be respectful like you are. In a lot of cases, you know, you'll see plenty of productions that just sideline the creators and do their own thing. And if, and they fail in this case, they included us and it's, and it looks great and so you know huey's taller than mother's milk that was weird to me when i first saw it but then jack Quaid is so great as huey that it didn't doesn't bother me anymore like he made it his own and he really and the fact that they got simon Pegg to come play his dad was like you know just absolute respect and love the, the yeah. source material <laughs> Yeah, that's, so, that's you know, butcher with a beard i'm like why does butcher have a beard and then i was explained like ah we wanted him to look rougher and be more of a contrast to huey i'm like oh i never really thought of that so that was you know that's why carl's got the beard because but then you see him in flashbacks and he doesn't and then that's kind of mm-hmm. cool because then he looks more like you know the butcher from the comics so yeah so it's 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 i don't really mind the cast is so great and they're all so into it and i got to go on set a couple of times and meet them all and be around them when they're working and the passion and the and the uh, enthusiasm everybody on that show including the people behind the scenes that you don't see that they really love the show it, it really it really comes through and, and i've had people come up and tell me like oh my god this is the best job i've ever had and you know and that's you know that's really gratifying because eric kripke knows how to put together a great team and the people that are working on the show, it's a labor of love for them. They're having a great time. They're genuinely like each other. They're all really nice people. Everybody I've met has been just wonderfully kind and gracious. Yeah. It's just, it's, yeah. it's been a really yeah. good experience. That's awesome. And it shows, I mean, they have incredible chemistry on screen. Yeah. Um, you, 
you can just tell, you know, you can kind of envision, like, I would love to see the outtakes. You know what I mean? Just oh, just, my God, yes. The episodes are coming up that I was on st- uh, I was on set for, and they kept flubbing this one line. And it was Carl and it, it's Carl and Huey and Annie and and I don't I can't give away too much because I don't want to spoil anything. But right. it's just one of the characters is unconscious, and every time the the line would get flubbed, that character would start cracking up and couldn't help it. And it and it, and it was so it would be so fun to see and if they have the outtakes and they share them like on X Ray because there's a little button you can push push when you're watching the Amazon episodes called X Ray and you get behind the scenes stuff. That was hilarious and like a, a good example of the chemistry where they were, you know, trying to stay in character and then you know this one character couldn't stop laughing in but they're supposed to be unconscious so it was very funny. Oh, that's great. I can't I can't wait to see this episode. Yeah, it, yeah this is a future one coming up. Yeah, it's, it's one that hasn't been aired yet. Okay, awesome. One of my favorite characters is actually Frenchie. Yes, and, Omar's um, great. God, he's so good in it. I mean, half the time I can't understand it because I don't speak French. But And I <laughs> actually love the fact that you don't do the subtitles because it just makes it more authentic Yes, um, when he speaks. But like, what inspired Frenchie? Like, how did that come about, his character? Yeah, it was just, he was there from the beginning. He, he for, makes his first appearance in issue two. And the the only element of it that's really kind of funny for me is that we did a backstory uh, issue of him where we see him back in France and he's, but his, the description of his life is just insane. Mm -hmm. He's he's doing a bicycle joust with hardened baguettes is the, you know, (laughs) but they were, and, and then, and it's kind of explained it to me once, like, we're not really sure if, if, Frenchie's even really French. Like he might just be out of his mind. And so <laughs> like that piece of it is sort of missing from Tomar's character where he's, but he's so, he's so cool. I love, I love the TV version so much, but it's always, there's a, a little element where I did love the fact that Frenchie was completely unpredictable in the comics. Like he would just jump out a window or just do whatever it is he was going to do. And again, he might just be insane. He might not even be French. We don't know. But but they do bring that mystery to him on the television show. And I again, I love Tomar Capon's performance so much that he, he just, and they've done a really great job of bringing in elements of the character this season with the goggles on the head and things like that. So it's been nice watching them sort of evolve more into the comic team, which I think they're doing slowly. That's awesome. Yeah. And I love his relationship with Nico. And, yes. you know, I just watched the, well, one of the episodes where, you know, she kind of takes off now with her brother. And so, you know, there's this whole, you know, cliffhanger for that. But I just love the chemistry they have together because you're not sure if it's friendship or more or. Yeah. It was always very vague in the comic book as well, but it was never we I intentionally and, you know, and say I think the same with Ennis is like we never intentionally sexualized the female because Mm -hmm. she's more like she's like a feral cat, you know, like you can't. (laughs) You're not going to ever pet her or give her treats. It's never going to happen. She will take your face off. And only because Frenchie is incredibly patient with her that they develop a bond. But even he's on like a, a thin, a thin ice. So you can, and they bring that element into the end of the TV show very well, but they've done a, they've done a lot with the female's character. The fact that she has a name, Kimiko and this brother, and we know more about her backstory. It's very different than the comic in that regard. But again, this is one of those things where it works so well. It doesn't bother me at all. Like I, it, 
it's okay for there to be these two different boys teams, like the TV version and the comic version, because mm-hmm. the heart of the story is intact. The heart of the relationships is intact. So right. where it matters, it's all in there. And then they're doing stuff in a way that I think evolves what we were doing in the comic. Cause the comics, you know, it's 12 years old now, <laughs> you know, yeah. we, we did it a while ago. It's another. It's a product of a different time, and I'm proud of it. But I'm really excited about what I'm seeing on the show, and and I don't feel like they're diminishing anything by the changes that they're making. I feel like they're telling a larger story. It's going in its own direction, and and they always find a way to weave back into the comics in some way or another and scoop up something good and bring it to us. That's so good to hear, uh, because yeah, like you were saying earlier. A lot of times when you're an author or an artist and you sell your rights to television or film, uh, they're kind of like, okay, see, uh, we're going to do, you know, whatever we want with it. And you hear stories upon stories of people being so disappointed about the final product. So it's, it's nice to hear that you actually have been included and it's reflective of your, you know, passion and your original ideal of what, you know, that, what the story you're trying to tell. Yeah. I mean, you're an author too. Has that happened to you? No, not yet. I'm not quite at that level yet, but thank you. Yeah, no, I, I am an author, but it is a fear. Yeah, you think about that. You're like, oh, if someone approached you for, for rights, having to give over your baby, you know, that yeah, exactly. forever. Yeah, I mean, it would, just, it would be very hard to do, to just stand by. And I actually was, I was watching an interview with um, James Patterson, the mystery, you know, author. And he uh, was talking about when one of his books was turned into a film and they invited him on set. And he was basically like, so you just sit in the corner and be the author and don't give us any advice. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's a little bit of that that happens with these things. That's why it's been sort of nice to, you know, be on set and be treated like I was welcome. You know, I didn't I don't chime in because I know better. I mean, it's not my place. They're making a show. And if they wanted my opinion, I'd been in the I would have been in the writer's room you know, before they got to the cameras rolling. So that's okay with me. I know, but I thought for sure that it was going to be much more like arm's length. And they've actually brought me in to do artwork for the show. The episode three of this season had storyboards that they hired me to create for the Mm -hmm. Dawn of the Seven. And so that was really fun. Like a whole sequence of a episode has my artwork, you know. (laughs) That's so great. No, that's such a huge compliment for you to be able to be so involved with that. Yeah, that's awesome. It is, and it has a lot to do with just the quality of the people that are working on the show that they're that they invite me in and they want me to be a part of things. It's been really it's been really gratifying, and you know. And but I was thinking about your like I see that you have some novels, and I would imagine that those characters are very fixed in your mind. So if you mm-hmm. had somebody else like taking one of your characters and then dramatically changing that way, like a, a character, you know how your character would re- react in a certain scene. And then mm-hmm. the opposite of that, which betrays the character, it would be gutting. You would be like, ah, no, yeah. that character would never say this, you know? <laughs> no, yeah, I would, I would literally go on a private rampage, probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had, that, I had that happen to me years ago when I was just starting out in the business, but I wrote and drew a character for uh, Malleable Ultraverse, and one reason or another, it was supposed to be my ongoing book, and then the company kind of fell into hard times in the implosion of the 90s comics, and they ended up getting sold off to Marvel, and my character went with them, and I never got to do the story I was going to do. But the only thing I said about my character was he would never join the Justice League. It would make no sense to him. He would always be a loner like Daredevil, you know, like Daredevil doesn't join teams, you know. And so they were like, and that was my only thing. And they 
took the character. I didn't get to do my solo series, and they stuck him in the Ultra Force because it was Malibu Ultraverse. They put stuck him in Ultra Force. Didn't even have me draw those comics, and they made him a team character and killed him. <laughs> oh my god! And I'm like, why do you hurt me? <laughs> why must you hurt me? The only thing I didn't want was he shouldn't be dead. He shouldn't be on a team. <laughs> like one thing. That's all I asked for. Yeah. Oh my God. No, that's, no I, I can't even imagine. You know, like I said, I'm not at that level yet, but yeah, you got very attached to these characters. They become yeah. a part of you. Uh, yeah. So if that ever happened, I would just literally have to probably go to like another country for a little while and yeah. <laughs> not look. Yeah, <laughs> I understand. So that's, that's why it's been really pleasant to have the boys be such a positive thing. And, and I think they're doing a great job with the characters in the show and, you know, and not everybody likes it, but that's that's the fact that as many people do is amazing. I, I we had a moment before episode one launch where I had seen a rough cut mm-hmm. that they had sent me, and then I decided not to watch any of the rest of them. And I did the same with season two. Like I read the scripts, but I didn't want to see any of them. I wanted to see them in real time with everybody, in which I'm doing. You know, my family loves it. My friends are really into it. So it, that's been really nice too. They, but it's there's this point where. You have to let it go. Like you have to understand mm-hmm. that it, it may not be what you want it to be, but can you enjoy it for what it is? And so there was this moment after I saw the first episode in the rough cut, I'm like, that was really good. My wife was like, yeah, she doesn't even read the comics. Like she was like, she was like, no, I really like that. I want to see the next one so badly. And I'm like, that's a good omen. Cause like, you know, it's like, you know, you think she'd be biased, but it's kind of the opposite. Nobody judges you like a partner. But yeah, but she no, I'm really it was really good. And so we were I was waiting to see if and then I it was around the same time, like I think the tick got canceled on Amazon. I was like, oh, Oh. it's not gonna be like the tick getting canceled, you know, like where it doesn't find its audience. So to see it like it's like the number one show on Amazon, that's been just like blow my hair back. Oh yeah, it's huge on Amazon. And I've been literally like I watched season one and then they they tease you, you know, they say, oh, season two is available. And then it was just like the trailer. And I was like, no, yeah. <laughs> I want to see the whole season. But I mean, you know, that's part of the whole marketing thing. No, I'm excited. And I'm curious, have, have you seen a resurgence in people reading the comic now? Yes, very much about? so. People, I think people are discovering the comics for the first time right now because the sales on the comics have gone through the roof. So I think people are finding it's nice, too, because with Amazon, like you can like, literally just go from watching the show to buying the comics all in one place. So but you know, if you can get them from your local comic book shop, please do. At the same time, I'm very, I'm very grateful that people are buying that are going back and finding the comics. And it's interesting because I, I get different people that have never read it before. Like, oh, this is so different. And then people that have read it are saying, I'm reading it again and I'm enjoying it in a whole other way. So it's, it's, it's been interesting. I, I, I don't expect, you know, like I think Carl Urban was saying in an interview that like he didn't, he was a little put off by the comics, but he could see the heart of them. And he said, you know, that they can't do that show verbatim. So a lot of stuff they like, because I mean, Ennis has a wild imagination and I, I've always had a dark sense of humor. So between the two of us, you know, th- what we created wasn't for everybody. And when it came out, it was very controversial. So it's been amazing to watch it succeed the way it has, because in many ways, you know, the theme was ahead of the curve. Oh, totally ahead. I mean, and I think you're seeing a trend now with people starting to, you know, creators going on their own path of 
you we have these eras of, of different types of, of comics. We have yes. the Spider-Man, the Batman, the Wolverine, you know, the X-Men. But now we have shows like The Boys and you know, Umbrella Academy and things like yes. that. They're t- doing such different things. And the younger audiences are really eating it up. Yes, that's know? actually, what, you know, I have two teenage sons and that's what they're into. Like they big, they're big fans of Umbrella Academy and, and they're also enjoying the boys, but they, but they really like Umbrella Academy, for example, of like, and now they're more getting more interested in reading comics. So that's yeah. definitely, but that's great to see because that was sort of my dream. It's, this is my third go around with a successful creative Rome property. And, but that I got on that, I, I went off on that path early on because my very first creation that got me into comics when I was 17 was an original creator own book that I was that I wrote and I drew and created from scratch and so I started there and then I but all I ever wanted to do was draw Spider-Man and Batman and Wolverine and the X-Men and all that stuff that was my dream and then I got in and I've, I've worked on most of the major superheroes that I've, I've wanted to work on in some form or another even if it's just doing some covers or trading cards I've drawn just about everybody and yeah. uh, and I love it, and I still love those characters. But as I got more caught up in the wheels of the machinations of working on, you know, properties that are owned by corporations, the the longing to do something original and work with the gloves off is is hard to resist. And so I found myself more and more wanting to get back into doing original stuff. And what's nice about when you do original stuff is that, you know, if you play your cards right and you retain your rights, when it gets turned into something, you can be a part of it. Absolutely. Yeah. And it becomes your original thing becomes like the norm. It becomes the classic, essentially. There's that potential. Well, I feel very lucky in that, like, you know, just to see how successful uh, this show has been, because I didn't know if everybody was going to react to it the way we reacted to it and to see that they really enjoyed it and that it's 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 reached this level of popularity. I mean, there's Spirit Halloween stores are selling the boys costumes this year (laughs) that just hurts my brain that's so awesome no i think people walking around dressed as homelander this year i think that's that's how you know you've made it oh no i have i have to tell you an antidote from yesterday that just blew my mind so i went i was going out for a walk because it was the first day i could actually get out in the open air and not feel like i was going to (laughs) suffocate and so i went out for a walk up in this road where I like to walk. And as I was getting out of the car, I listened to Sirius XM and I'm a, I'm a big new wave fan. And so I was listening. I always listen. I always have first wave going on my cars. And so as I was getting out of the car, Richard blade, who I've listened to since I was a teenager, he used to do this show in in LA and I have his eighties compilation CDs in my collection. I mean, I love this guy's, you know, I've known this guy for my whole, most of my young life. And he was introducing in like R.E.M. Superman starts to play. And he's like, and here's a song from R.E.M. And I imagine if they did it today, he'd call it Homelander. And oh, I'm, my God. Ah! What? what? <laughs> Blake oh. just talked about the boys. <laughs> oh, my God. You're like, I, I need to go back in time and tell my 16-year-old self. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I was like, I was like hearing your song on the radio. I was like, oh, my God. Oh my god, that's amazing! You start Actually, yelling. Having my mind blown pretty low. Sweet <laughs> moment. No, that's amazing. So, going forward, are you going to be doing any more of the boys' comics, or is that 
final? Is there, is there an ending to that? This went back and did a prequel called Dear Becky, which is on sale now. I think it's approaching the end of its eight-issue run. I don't know if they're going to do more or not. I'm, I've done covers for them, but that was the only uh, level of involvement I had on it. Okay, okay, cool. So is there anything you can kind of tease about season three? I heard you did get renewed. Yes, I can I can tell you that there will be a season three. Okay. <laughs> but that, that's literally as much as I even I know that's about it. it at this point. So um, <laughs> okay. COVID, it's one of the reasons I think that they chose to stretch the the release out rather than dumping it all at once was to kind of give a little bit more air to the schedule because COVID has slowed everything down. Going back up to Toronto mm-hmm. where they shoot the show has been difficult because a lot of the American actors aren't allowed across the border you know so it's been a very weird year but there will be a season three and there's a lot of enthusiasm for it and i don't think the boys as a franchise or as a show is is slowing down anytime soon it's doing so well i think they're going to keep this thing going as long as it goes very Very cool um the other thing i really want to talk to you about is oliver thank you for bringing up oliver (laughs) Yeah, I just downloaded volume one yesterday, and I think it's such a cool concept. It's a reimagining of Charles Dickens' Oliver Twist, that in a post-apocalypse England, and he's a superhero. Like, this is the coolest thing. Tell me more about Oliver. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm so glad you brought it up. That's been a real labor of love. My friend Gary Witta and I have been working on this thing for over a decade. It's ridiculous how long it's taken me to do just the four issues, and then I need to go back and finish the story at this point. But this is one of those double-edged stories with creator-owned comic where I have to balance it out with other work because... Mm-hmm. there's not a lot of money until it's done, you know, and then this, yeah. then it's still maybe. So it's like to, in order to kind of make ends meet, I can only work on it when I can work on it, but I love the book. I'm proud of the book. And I think it's some of my best work. And, and I love Gary's story. He created it and we actually became friends because of this book. It was based on his original screenplay that he wrote back in 2001, I think. And he approached me, he just kind of cold emailed me, got my email from somewhere and asked me if I'd be interested in drawing it. And at the time, I was like juggling three projects, finishing Transmed and taking on doing some Punisher for Marvel. And then I just got hired to do Wolverine. So I was like, well, I can't draw it, but I I can help you find somebody. And we ended up becoming friends because I was willing to help him out. And we got to know each other just as people. He flew out to New York. I was living in New York at the time. And he flew out to New York and we got together and got to know each other as people. And then when I moved back to the Bay Area, we started hanging out and then it turned out that I said, Hey, whatever happened with Oliver? Cause I thought he had found an artist and went on without me. He said, no, I never did anything with it. So years ago I said, Hey, well, let's I'll I'll do it. Let's figure it out. And we, we got it up and going after a while. It took me a long time to get the designs locked down. We changed our minds a bunch. And I started having kids and, you know, so we, you know, it didn't, it's not happening quickly, but I have this deep belief that it's, it's, if it's really good, people will find it when they find it. And what is terrible is when it's inconsistent. So, mm-hmm. you know, because a lot of times people, like I said, as you mentioned earlier, you know, people are just now reading The Boys for the very first time. And mm-hmm. I wish that I could 
you know, when, and then also with Transmetropolitan, it's been out for like we finished. I finished drawing that in 2002, and I still get people that are just now discovering it. So oh, wow. it's one of those things where it's it's a complete story. Oliver's going to be a complete story. So I just want it to be this kind of beautiful, all complete consistent looking mm-hmm. product where when you get it, it's something that you'll want to read over and over again. So I'm going to return to drawing it and hopefully get it the, the last of the story out in the, by next year, but it's been a labor of love and, the, and a slow one at that. And so I'm really grateful when anybody finds it at this point. And I hope they see that the amount of work that I put into it. No, it's gorgeous. I, I kind of just peeked, you know, at a few of the pages and I mean, it's absolutely beautiful. And I'm, I'm all about the whole post-apocalyptic, Thing and just the colors, you know, the, the safety colors yeah. that really invoke that time period, I think is really interesting. And I'm curious, did you, like, when you guys set out to do this comic, was it going to originally be post-apocalyptic or were there other yes. settings you were throwing around? Oh, no, wow. that was always, that was always the main plot of everything. Like, it was like, it's, it's, that's very much, you know, and I'm, I'm basically adapting Gary's screenplay into a comic. Like there's, you know, the first one we kind of went back and forth on, by the time I got to issue four, I was just breaking it down, you know, and now we're going to try to figure out how to condense the latter half so we can get the next one out in four issues, as opposed to eight as a way of finishing the story and making it, you know, available to everybody and not making them wait another 10 years. Right. But, um, I think it's really but, relevant, you know, the concept yeah. of Oliver Twist, you know? Like yeah. He, he was, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I, there's a lag and I'm, I'm cutting you off. No, no, sorry. No, no, no. Uh, he, he was, you know, this character that was poor and uh, now he's, you've made him into a superhero. And I think that's super yeah. interesting. It's really fun. The next arc is a lot more interesting than the first arc in that the first arc you kind of see what he's capable of and in the second arc we we're going to meet uh Arthur dodger and fagan and all those characters and then there's a whole rich story there with them and so that that i'm excited to you know get back into and draw those it's a little more actiony and got a little romance and some other stuff about to happen mm-hmm. so it's a really good, he's done a really great job of making it his own while staying true to like what makes that character tick. Right. Reimagining. Yeah. The Charles Dickens character, which I think would appeal to a lot of people uh, because I think that's a thing that's also popular now is taking a reapproach to, you know, the fairy tale retellings and the classic literature that's being reimagined to fit, you know, our current concepts and then, the themes tend to be very current as well. You know, like history repeats itself. Yes. I think that's very interesting as well that you're exploring that. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, it's it's funny because kind of like with the, the boys TV show, like you don't know what you're, sometimes it feels like your timing is all wrong and you, you can curse the darkness. And then other times you look back and you go, man, this was, this happened right when it should. So like with the boys, it's so funny how contemporary it feels. And they shot this season last year. And then there's stuff in that that's popping up that you go, holy Toledo. It's like they had a crystal ball about where things were pivoting, you know. Exactly. Yeah. And and that's references to the plagues and things like that. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, but, But at the same time, like, and they optioned the boys to make it a movie uh, series back in 2008 and we waited and we waited and it, it would never happen. And I gave up on it at one point where I'm like, I'm just writing it off. It's never going to happen. They're going to, 
you know, somebody's going to renew the option every year or so. And and I guess that's all I, all I can hope for. And then Kripke got a hold of it because he wanted to do it. It turned out when he found out it was available, he loved the comic so much. He was like, I have to make the show. And so, and then, and they did, and it's amazing. But the, but in 2008, like, I remember thinking, oh, it's going to be, Adam McKay was going to direct it. And like it was going to be a movie series, and I got to see what Adam McKay was working on. He, I got to be friends with him, and it was amazing just to see when the right person gets involved, how quickly it can move forward. But now it's this television show, and I think it works better as a television show than it would have been as, as a movie franchise. And mm-hmm. at the same time, it's it's more poignant, and it's hitting the it's hitting the mark right when it should, as opposed to had they maybe put it out 10 years ago it might have been watered down into a pg-13 movie Mm -hmm. and then you would have got like mystery men rather than you know the boys yeah Yeah. god forbid like mystery (laughs) men could have been so much better but they 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 kind of lost what made it tick you know yeah no absolutely and that does tend to happen but we are in different times now and i think that people are pushing the boundaries a lot more yes stomach a lot more too they're craving it almost in a sense you know that yeah. rawness so yeah <laughs> well I want to ask you also so going back a little bit to make you reach back what were your influences growing up like what did you what made you think I want to do this for a career I'm sorry you asked me again what, what were your influences growing up oh like, um, I loved I was you know, into comics from a very young age, but I didn't really understand. I just love the storytelling element of them. I didn't, I really didn't have a particular favorite writer or artist when I first started reading comics. I just loved comics as a thing. And as I got older, I started to realize, you know, people were getting paid to draw them. And then that's when I realized, Hey, I could have a job doing this. But the other things that were a big influence on me, I I loved like Frank Frazetta's and Boris Vallejo's fantasy art. I loved heavy metal magazine. I loved album covers Mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff really made an impact on me. I really loved horror movies and sci-fi. I'm a huge star Wars nerd have been for life. And you know, like everybody else is just catching up with me as far as I'm concerned, but I got it. No. What's your favorite star Wars movie? Well, the first, uh, a new hope, But, but it has to be like, it, it has to be qualified with, I think Empire Strikes Back is the best, but mm-hmm. I, but New Hope's where it all started. And my imagination was so in the cradle with that film long before I even knew there would be a second Star Wars movie, much less nine, you know, yeah. I was that, that one has all the sentimentality for me. So it has nothing to do with quality it has everything to do with nostalgia. So yeah. for me, it's, it's Star Wars and then New Hope. And then after that, you know, but I absolutely am crazy about the Mandalorian. It's like, that's renewing all of my old feels. Okay. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, uh, it's so good. Talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> if, you like, if you're a Star Wars fan, you're going to, you're going to love it. I'm a huge, I'm 41. So I was a little young when it first came out, but my parents were big Star Wars fans. So they made me watch them, you know, growing up. And of course there's like three Star Wars movies movies that we won't talk about with certain people that yeah. were cast and then <laughs> but the, the originals were the best that everyone's been talking about baby yoda yeah. and mandalorian and, yeah okay i gotta get on this <laughs> yeah the mandalorian really captures the heart yeah because you can tell john favreau is like one of us 
So it's mm-hmm. one of those cases where a fan is getting to make his thing. And then my friend Giancarlo Esposito plays Edgar oh. on on The Boy. It's okay. also in The Mandalorian. <laughs> so when I saw him last, I'm like, you're in everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's 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 fantastic. I think the uh, it, it really captures if you, if you're a fan of if if you really want Star Wars, like it really brings that home. It's meaty and it's it's gritty and it it, it feels right. I actually really like Solo, uh, a Star Wars story, mm-hmm. like the the his backstory when they even though they recast it, I thought that really worked. I find myself going to that one a lot. I'm not a big fan of the prequels. I think that's probably what you were alluding to. And uh-huh. then and I but I did like the the last trilogy a lot. I enjoyed it. I think people take it too seriously now, which they didn't when I was a kid. So it cracks me up to see everybody getting so like, you know, entrenched about it because it was you know, when we were I was a kid. I was lucky if I'd find somebody who also knew who Chewbacca was, you know. Yeah. No, well, we didn't have social media back then, too. No. So that, that's the, the main difference, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Your opinions had to be discussed in person. Right. In private. Nobody cared back in the day. I mean, nobody cares now, but like now you can just publicly post it. Yeah. Well, I I think that's one of the things about the internet is like now everybody has a platform, so you don't have to earn your way to uh, having your opinion read. You have to just put it out there and, you know, anybody, anybody with a keyboard gets a, it gets an equal voice and that just creates a (laughs) cacophony. But, you know. Right. Keyboard warriors, right? Keyboard warriors. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's awesome no I, I love Star Wars I think Star Wars and I was I will say I was a little bit um worried when they were like we're gonna do all these new Star Wars films and I'm like oh god yeah again you know <laughs> but I, I gotta but, say like I'm super excited about that there you know there's gonna be an Obi-Wan series with Ewan yeah. McGregor at least they're supposed to be I don't know if COVID will let that happen but I'm excited about that I love Mandalorian I can't wait to see season two and, and I like the last trilogy quite a bit. And then, of course, Rogue One, written by my friend Gary Wood, after we had started on Oliver. That was pretty cool. <laughs> Rogue One was, no, that was fantastic. I mean, yes. the last, all the ones they've been putting out recently have been absolutely amazing. I mean, just they remind me of, of the old original feeling that you had when you were in that theater. Me you too. know, that epicness. Yeah. Yeah, so. I really, I really like the last trilogy a lot. Yeah, I like the new characters. I love BB-8. I have a BBA mm-hmm. mug I drink out of, but I'm a nerd. I'm like easily swayed. So <laughs> like, I don't get that. I don't get that married, uh, you know, new ideas. Yeah. I had a, uh, have you, why have you ever done the machete cut? No. Okay. So because you're like me and you're not crazy about the prequels, but I love a lot of the characters. Like I love Darth Maul. I just wish he was existing in a different, like I love seeing him show up in the new trilogy uh, at the end of solo, for example. You know, that was pretty cool to see Darth Maul show up at the end of Solo. But the the machete cut is like you you watch the movies in a different order. And if you do that, it makes it so much more enjoyable. So what you can do is you watch Solo. It's probably the earliest in the timeline. And then you watch Rogue One. And then you watch Star Wars A New Hope. And then you watch Empire Strikes Back. But when you get to Empire Strikes Back, you know, it's got that kind of like truncated ending. It really doesn't end. It really just leads into into Return of the Jedi. So so when you get to the end of Empire Strikes Back, then you go back and you skip Phantom Menace entirely because you don't really need that movie. And then you watch uh, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. And you get Obi-Wan and Darth's backstory because... At, if you watch them in the order of one, like when they were like supposed to be watched as far as 
the prequels are one through three, four through six. You know, if you watch them mm-hmm. in that order, by the time you get to Darth Vader's story, the greatest twist in movie history is ruined for you. You know, know. Yeah. so like, yeah, you, if you're going in cold, you need to know that Darth Vader is is is. You don't need you know. You got to be surprised by Luke and Darth being father and son. That's that's shocking when you saw it for the first time. I saw it as a kid in the '80s, and we were like, "What?" You know, so. <laughs> You know, that, so if you watch it, so if you go and you take a break from Empire Strikes Back and you watch Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, then you get the backstory of how Darth Vader became Darth Vader. So when you watch, then you go back and you watch Return of the Jedi, the, the confrontation between Luke and Darth is really heartfelt. Like it suddenly amps that up in a way that you, you wouldn't get just going right out of Empire into Return of the Jedi. Because then you understand all that, like Darth Vader is lost, and who he was, and what he almost was, and what Obi Wan sacrificed. It's it's very powerful. And then mm-hmm. you know, and then you roll into you know the obvious uh, Force Awakens and Last yeah. Jedi. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Like I never would have thought to watch them out of order. Especially, I literally wrote this down as you were talking. I was like, all right, I gotta write this down. This exact order. I would like. Um, I would like to take credit for it. It is not my original idea by any means. It's something that I, I stumbled on, but it's great. But now you also have the Attack of the Clones, or the Clone Wars uh, animated series, and the really awesome Rebels animated series that you can that other people have broken down and woven in. So you can go and like watch if you really want to extend this. You can weave those series into your watching as well as Mandalorian now. So you can, uh, plenty of nerd sites will lay it out for you. <laughs> But doing the movies, like that's the way to do the movies, because then, especially if you're watching with somebody who might be new to Star Wars, like if you got a young person in your life that's never really mm-hmm. watched the movies or just seen a couple of them, that's a great way to introduce them because then they get the roller coaster that you're supposed to have emotionally that you kind of get deprived of if you watch from Phantom Menace to, you know, Rise of Skywalker. Right. There's more like climax and suspense and yeah. Yeah. Like and then the spoiler's not ruined, you know. Right. That's awesome. And I thought they like didn't even think of that when they were writing it because everything sort of happened over different decades and different eras. And oh, they, kinda... they clearly, clearly they were not thinking through what was going to happen with, you know, Luke and Leia. Because you watch the early trailers for the original 1977 Star, Star Wars. It's like a story of a boy and a girl and a galaxy. And it's like, oh, it's his sister. <laughs> <laughs> like You're in the like, second oh, one, no. she's making out with him. It's like that's his sister. Don't kiss it's your bizarre. sister. Yeah, <laughs> it's bizarre watching it on TV now when they when they show it, and you're like, oh, watch it. It's on television. And you're like, oh, wait, that's right. They're they're not supposed to be romantically involved, but they right. really do a good job of tricking you and then making you feel dirty like after. They clearly were laying the groundwork for a love triangle in the original New Hope, and I, there's no way you can convince me otherwise. And then they just decided after the fact, when I think Lucas was growing weary of the franchise by the time he got to uh, Return of the Jedi, but he they just kind of wrapped it up in a bow with, oh, they're related. Yeah, well, we'll <laughs> but I think in the second we'll one, like she's truly, <laughs> clearly trying to make Han jealous by kissing Luke. <laughs> They're like, we don't have any other characters to do the triangle with, so <laughs> we'll just do this. <laughs> the lonely galaxy, I guess, you know. Yeah, exactly. So funny. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness. Uh, oh, wow. So I do, I know you're probably super busy and you got to get going soon, but I do want to ask you, like, do you have anything in the future coming up that you really want to talk about, something exciting, a project you're working on that no, that was, you want to talk about? 
I've kind of run out of everything. I don't, I'm not getting any work. No, actually, uh, I'm, I'm in the middle of uh, wrapping up uh, Hellblazer Rise and Fall for uh, DC's Black Label. And uh, very excited about that, working with the great Tom Taylor. And he and I are, are buds, and so it's been a real labor of love. Andy Curry, who's been editing, has been an absolute pleasure to work with. And the same Oliver colorist, Diego Rodriguez, is coloring Hellblazer Rise and Fall. And it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Issue 1's out and doing very well and got good reviews. So um, having a good time with that, and that's just about wrapped up. It's, each issue is 44 pages, so one issue is quite a bit of uh, work. But I'm doing that, and I'm going to get back on Oliver as soon as I wrap this issue, and hopefully have the next four issues of Oliver out for everybody next year. And that's on my plate for right now. Other than that, I'm sort of focused on uh, just getting these projects back on track. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. And I bought Oliver on Amazon Prime on Kindle. You can also purchase paperback and i believe it's listed on image comics as well yes to purchase and if you have any other well if you have any other links just let us know we'll put them in the show notes so that way everyone can get a copy of oliver i'm really excited about it just because thank you I love, yeah i love the literary classics i'm a big charles dickens fan and anytime there's like a reimagining in a different setting i just think that's so brilliant so well, like i said it's been a real labor of love for me i'm very proud of the book and i just wanted you know it's, it's sort of like rocking a hard place where i could get it out you know faster mm-hmm. but it's like the old saying fast cheap or good you got to pick two so right. I'm, I'm i'm choosing to do it as uh, make it as great as i can make it so when it's all collected it'll be something you know somebody will enjoy owning also there's another book out there if you've never seen it it's couple of years old now but a ballistic by black mask it's an original creation by myself and adam egypt mortimer has gone on to be a pretty successful horror director if you've never read that i highly recommend it especially if you like my world building like i did in transmetropolitan yeah. uh, but that's good stuff ballistic and i think you'll like it and so and also if you've never read transmetropolitan uh, it's more poignant than ever <laughs> Uh, yeah, that I need to read too. I was looking that up earlier. Yeah, no, I'm absolutely interested in all of that. And I'm a big horror fan and the themes of current versus, you know, fairy tale, but making them all sort of intermingle and reimagining. I think that's amazing. So, awesome. Yeah, ballistic. I'm very excited. So also, let's not forget, everybody's watched The Boys on Amazon Prime. Please. Yes. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for being on here today. Oh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, no, you've been great. I'm so excited for everything you've got coming out. It's just been amazing. So thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. And like I said, we'll post things in the show notes. If you have anything else you want to plug that you forgot to mention, just like, you know, email Spoiler Country, we'll put it in the the show notes. Sounds good. And I'm going to go follow you on Twitter. Oh, my God. Thank you. I'll follow you back. Okay. Awesome. It was nice meeting you, Melissa. It was good talking to you. So nice talking to you as well, Derek. Have a great night. You too. Stay safe. Thank you. You too. All righty. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And we're back. And I'm back because I'm by myself. But you're here with me, so we're all here together. 
thank you, Jake, for coming on. It was amazing. I, I love your work. It's so good. Everything from Punisher Born, which is great, to The Boys, to Happy, a bunch of cool stuff you've done. If you want to come back on, let us know. Happy to have you on. Melissa, as always, amazing. And guys, if you enjoyed that show, which I know you did, I know you enjoyed it because you're still listening, so you had to have enjoyed it, go to Spoilerverse.com. Check out all of our other back issues, all the other fun stuff we have up there. So much cool stuff. So many more interviews and, and reviews of movies and comics and conversations that you just want to love. And while you're there, check out all of our other podcasts like Funny Book Forensics or Narrative Gunslingers or Nerds from the Crypt or Waiting on a Miracle. They're all so good. You should go listen to every single one of them. And on the website, we also have reviews and previews and articles and so much cool stuff. There's so much stuff. Go leave comments. We love it. But also, you need to go to scpod.us slash discord and join our public discord server because we're there. We're chatting up. We're having fun. Please come join us. You'll love it. I promise. You can see my new Jeep I just bought today on there. because we, we, we have a channel called Show Off Your Rides. You can show off your car. You can show off your pets. You can show off your computer. You can talk about games, music, movies, comics, books, anime. You can self-promote. So cool. Go do it. Once again, scpod.us slash discord. And on the website, go to the store, buy a t-shirt or hoodie, look fly yourself, help support the site and what we do, and, you know, just in general, be awesome. And last thing I'm going to do... And last we do today is I'm going to do this. And finally, in Oceans of Podcast, we are Cthulhu. And as Cthulhu compels you to do, open the mind and read more. <laughs>